Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm 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 doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a a hectic week. We're finally moved in. Um, so, congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, it, how'd it go? Uh, it went okay. I mean, I we, you know, fortunately, I'm at this. I've moved way too many times in my life for one. Um, mm. Fortunately, I'm at the stage of my life where I can afford to pay for movers to do everything. <laughs> but the problem is, like, I'm like, oh, so it's doing over the weekend. Um, I didn't, I forgot about the whole like unpacking stuff and, you know, figuring out where stuff goes. And <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's been a, a, and then I made a really dumb mistake is I, you know, we had a couple like bits and pieces of furniture. So we got, you know, some Ikea type stuff. And uh, the problem was, you know, I would also like to hire someone to put it together for me, but no one was available until like late in the week. Like we wanted to get everything done now. So I'm like, oh, screw it. I'll just do it. Um, 12 hours later, I'm like, that was a terrible mistake. There's nothing like one of those 4 a.m. Ikea sessions. You like look up and it's like the clock's ticking around to 4 a.m. And you're like, oh my God. Well, that's a, <laughs> well. the problem was, was we, we both smartly and stupidly got this little like nine drawer mini chest for the living room, which is great. Like there's all t- kinds of crap that you just have, right? Like my daughter's hair stuff or like extra power adapters. Like it's mm-hmm. perfect for that. The problem is nine drawers means just an incredible number of screws and, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so that, that was, that was a mess. No worries. It happens. I don't know. I hate it too, but it's valuable as well. You're like clean out clutter, all this stuff. It forces you to like work out what matters and what doesn't and throw things out. Right. So it's like, it's nice when it's done. But no, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so I have a spotless desk right now. I'm going to see if it can get it to last longer than a week. Um, nice. What are our odds? Low. Mm, good to know. So I wrote, um, I wrote a thing about Google. You sure did, didn't you? Yeah, I, I think we should just jump into it. Just jump into it. So uh, basically, this builds um, in an indirect way on quite a few of our conversations, particularly um, console gaming, actually. Mm. And uh, one thing that we've kind of gone back and forth on um, about disruption part of the theory and it like it says very explicitly in the book is that like once you're like once you're disrupted like you're you're going to go out of business like you're going to be taken over and i if you think about it like the classic example of disruption in tech has always been is always microsoft right everyone points to, okay microsoft being disrupted there's there's a disconnect though in that microsoft is still like people have been saying that Microsoft is being disrupted for going on like a decade now, and they're still massively, massively profitable. And um, PCs have been on a little bit of an upswing. I do, I do think in the long run, um, you know, certainly it's not, it's the growth is over. But that's where I kind of came to the idea of like what's happened to Microsoft is not, is not they haven't been disrupted according to like the classical definition. It's rather that they've been eclipsed. Um, and what I mean by that is there's still a ton of PCs being sold. They still dominate the category. It's not like someone came in and completely replaced PCs. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's that PCs, and Benedict Evans has, has written about this several times of uh, some very insightful posts, which I linked to in, in my article, um, their share of connected devices has plummeted. And, but that's been in a function of the market expanding massively and mm-hmm. them not getting a share of that expansion. And to me, that that's that's really the story of what's happened to Microsoft. It's not that they've gone away or are going away. 
um, mm-hmm. at least in the you know short to medium term. Rather, it's that they got no piece of the this massive expansion, whereas Apple and Google you know took it all. And and I think it's a similar thing to what happened to IBM, where mainframes didn't go away; they just were a much smaller market than PCs. And it's similar to our console discussion, where I don't see consoles necessarily going away. I just think you know the the massive growth in gaming has been on mobile and that's that limits the, the long-term growth and opportunities in consoles it's not that they're going to go away right it's it's interesting so to take it back to the theory around disruption i think you raise a good point in in classic in true classic disruption the company that gets disrupted goes away it just can't compete but I, I, we've already we've we've talked about this. We've covered it. Like it doesn't disruption doesn't explain everything. And people who use it as a lens to look at the world and think it's going to explain everything, it, it it's this binary thing. And I think that's the wrong way of approaching it. And I think the mainframe example is a fantastic one. Um, it's a fantastic example where there is a certain sub segment of customers who are super demanding in terms of the performance they require. And the new solution that comes in underneath, it meets the needs of a lot of people and it substantially grows the market, but it never gets to the point of improving the performance never gets to the point of improving such that it meets the needs of everybody in that market. And so it leaves behind this tale of people who are demanding and willing to pay a lot. And IBM's mainframe business is a great example of that. And I think the the example of PCs, like I don't think PCs are going to entirely go away either. Or if, if they are, it's not going to be for a very long time because there is a segment of the market that is demanding for, for performance that personal computers bring that that like mobile devices aren't going to catch up to. So you use the term eclipsed or the notion of eclipsed, this concept of eclipsed. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a neat way of describing a disruption that isn't entirely complete. Like as a percentage of connected devices, for example, mainframes, well, uh, uh, smartphones are, 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 are like dwarfing PCs and same with PCs versus mainframes. It doesn't completely disrupt but I certainly know which market I'd prefer to be in. And I also know that if I was a vendor in the old one and missed out on that new market, I'd feel pretty disappointed in things. Right. I, th- I think that's exactly it. And I, so I think the crit- critique, I guess, I would have of disruption, at least in technology, again, like, I, I, you know, Professor Christensen was trying to apply, apply it to businesses broadly, right? He talked about steel mills. Mm-hmm. He ta- talked about, you know, all, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Um is that yeah? It, it it went too far, right? I think it it what I'm describing in this article about Google, and I'm talking about with Microsoft, which is the Google part, you know, in particular in a moment, is exactly that the the idea of something coming up underneath and being more broadly broadly available and applicable um, is spot on, and that's one of the just a, a really brilliant insight in in disruption theory. I think where where it falls down and where I disagree is the idea that it will inevitably, um, that, that, the, that it will improve and become good enough and that the high end customers will then desert the high end to, to take on, you know, the originally inferior product. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a process and it's a relative process. Like 
I don't know, like is a mainframe sales actually beginning to decline now? I feel like of like they're actually like now after all these years, they're actually starting to, I'm, I could be wrong about this. They could be tailing off. Like No, for, for, not, no, for sure. I think, I think that's exactly it. It just takes a really long time and, and they've been, yeah. and they've, they've declined a lot and they've, and the, the decline has been due to, um, x86 processors which are basically glorified personal computers that have taken over you know have taken over data centers and so you know i and i think it, it's very plausible and that's why i said like in the long 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 run i'm not bullish necessarily on, on consoles either for the same reason i i think just the the time it takes to to break off that that top end is is dramatically longer than I think most people appreciate. And you can see the same thing. And a lot of it almost has to do with, there's probably a demographic aspect to this too, where like for PCs, you can definitely uh, see a scenario where people who weren't raised on PCs never Mm. really fully adopt the PC. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Whereas people that are used to it and have built workflows around it, which happens to be a whole bunch of people, um, just can't bring themselves to to go, you know, iPad only, for example. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think it has to do with the way it gets applied. Um, uh, it's 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 assumed that it's this linear and immediate thing where it ha- and and there's so many factors at play that sometimes it can it can take a while to play out. I think you're absolutely right. I think in the long run it is kind of it gets to the point of like this will happen. But to assume that it's just going to happen immediately, like and in this very linear fashion, I think that would be a mistake to apply the theory in that way. So, so we we started with disruption. Although, to be honest, um, I think this concept of eclipse versus disruption is is super interesting. Um, but to be clear, my article about Google wasn't really saying that they're going to be disrupted. So, let me quickly recount, recount the article, just in case mm. anyone hasn't read it. Um, Basically, my, my premise, uh, and this is where the angle comes in, is that uh, behemoths that that you know sit astride the industry that dominate, uh, they don't go away per se. Microsoft hasn't gone away. IBM didn't go away. Rather, something else comes along that's much bigger and much more important that that makes what came before seem insignificant. And so, Microsoft still. Ha- sells a ton of of PCs, some Windows licenses, but relative to mobile, they're they're much smaller than they were. And so you you could argue that peak Microsoft was you know around two thousand two thousand two or so. Um, mm. Even though today they're selling more than they were then, right? Like it, right. And the reason is because mobile and smartphones are such a bigger market that relative to that, it, it seem doesn't seem like you know they seem much more insignificant. Yep. So when it comes to Google, um, what 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 I've really been thinking about is um, Google dominates. They very specifically dominate uh, search advertising. Like the estimates range as high as like ninety percent, um, mm-hmm. and search advertising is the largest share of online advertising, which means Google dominates online advertising. They also have they also have the big you know the biggest presence in display through their their um, double click. They are a dominant presence in online advertising. My contention or argument here is that online advertising is going to explode as a category. And and the question is when. And that's why it's always hard to make these kind of predictions. But basically, going back to our discussion last week about HBO and TV and when that breaks apart, the, the real mm-hmm. question is when 
when does all that TV advertising move? What most TV advertising is, is brand advertising. And brand advertising makes up the lion's share of the total advertising market. So to put it in perspective, the search advertising market is about $50 billion. Like that's a big market, right? That's why Google is a super successful company. The online or the total advertising market, all forms of advertising, TV, billboards, all that sort of stuff is over 500 billion. So 10 times as big. So there's a lot of money out there that Google is not capturing and Mm -hmm. they're not going to capture that through search because they would have already captured it. You know what I mean? I mean, they'll capture more for sure. I mean, I think search, you know, it's such a great, it's such a great way to convert people that it, it will always have a place and Google, I think will always dominate at least for the, the, the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But when and if the rest of that 500 billion starts moving online in a serious way, as I think it will in the long run, I don't see why Google necessarily is going to to do nearly as well in that arena as they have in search advertising. Similar to like just because Microsoft was good at PCs, that didn't mm-hmm. really mean they were going to be good at mobile. It turned out that the key to doing well in mobile was to treat it completely differently than a PC. That was like Apple's big fundamental insight and Microsoft's big mistake was they tried to make Windows Mobile be or was it Microsoft Windows? They were naming so confusing. Windows Mobile was a shrunken down version of Windows, right? They tried to take the same sort of paradigms, the same sort of user interaction, and it didn't work. To succeed in mobile, you had to start over with a fresh view, which meant there were no inherent advantages. And I think it's a similar thing to the future of brand advertising on the internet. I don't think display is the future. I think display is was a was a nice first try that that is terrible and is mostly failed and is going to go away even more. I think the future is in-stream advertising, uh, native advertising, although I now regret using that name in the article because I just need to get a different name because every time I say native advertising, half the people say, oh, <laughs> they're, they're about our argument before that. It's paid for articles, right? That's a That's one form of native advertising. When I say native advertising, I mean, any form of advertising that is in the same format as the content around it. So to me, a Facebook ad in your timeline is native advertising. A promoted pin on Pinterest is native advertising. To be pedantic, a Google search, search result is native advertising. And and so I, I I probably should I probably should tease that out more. But that that is the venue for for brand advertising. And and mm. um Sorry, I'm, I'm monologuing here a little bit. Um, no, go for it. The, you you have to think about advertising in the context of, of the funnel, right? If we can get into some bit yep. business speakies. So, Let's do it. So the way you you convert a customer, you, you earn a purchase, is you guide them down what's called the funnel, the marketing funnel. So at the very top is awareness. You just need to make people aware that there's a product that might interest them. Or you, need to, you want to make them aware that they have a need that needs to, even at the highest, right? You need to make them aware they have a problem. And so like, man, you're like, you know, look at this, look at this problem. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was a solution, then you make them aware that there's a solution, then you, and you move them down the funnel from awareness to interest to, to all the way down to buying and why Google search ads are so effective and why they make so much money is because they're very far down the funnel. 
Like the, the whole idea about Google is people search for something they're primed to buy. They're looking to buy. Their wallet is already out and Google is just pointing them to the best place to buy it. Like that's why Google ads convert so well. But if you think about the very physical shape of a funnel, that's a limited market. There's a massive market at the very top, which is creating awareness and, and, and increasing affinity, which basically is, is a favorable impression of a brand that's mostly subconscious. Like this stuff is it's kind of black magic, it, it, but it's a very powerful thing. And it really matters for uh, uh, like habitual disposable products. So like CPG, like we mm-hmm. talked about P&G previously, like your deodorant, your, your soap, your shampoo, like all that sort of stuff, people don't people don't do research about this, right? They don't go online like they're going to buy a computer or they're going to buy like this one massive purchase where it's worth it to spend the time. People don't want it. People don't have enough time to do that. They do. They go in, they buy something and they usually buy the same thing. They buy it again and again and they buy it for 50 years. So it's almost like an annuity, right? You get someone hooked on a particular brand of soap over the lifetime of that consumer, you're going to make a ton of money. So there's a there's a very high incentive to to when that consumer is walking down the supermarket and they need to grab something and they see a display with like 50 products that are all basically the same, which one are they going to pick? Most people don't even think about it. They just grab one. But that that grabbing has been influenced by advertising in a very deep and fundamental way that people don't mm. really appreciate. And I think techies in particular don't appreciate. I mean, th- this post is on Hacker News. And it's funny seeing people going on and on talking about, oh, well, imagine if you had this sort of thing. Everyone's so focused on direct response because it's measurable and it's something mm. that you can get feedback. But the reality is, is the true money in advertising and the really powerful effective advertising is not about direct response. It's about building affinity. So people will make these subconscious decisions and, and these companies like P and G will make money off them for decades. Mm. Really? (laughs) This, this article kind of blew my mind. I was really impressed by it. So there are two things I want to explore with you and I'm, I I only just read it before we we sat down to talk, so uh, I apologize. Thoughts are not going to be as fully formed as as yours are. The first is that, and and I think you kind of acknowledged it at the start. That is, you draw a parallel between what happened between mainframes and PCs, and what happened with PCs and mobile devices, and what's going to happen between search ads and native ads. And I. The, the 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 first two, as you said, were disruptions, and the second the second the third one rather is something else. It's it's almost like a characterization of what happens to these companies when they are disrupted. The the thing, that, but it, I don't think it's an inevitable. It's not like a law of nature that this has to happen. Rather, that there's something else that drives it. And in the first two instances, um, it was the the uh, the observation would be some form of disruption whether you want to call it disruption or whether you want to call it this use the term eclipse like which is a form of disruption where it's not in its entirety i, I like that concept a lot um but i'm i i want to understand from the perspective of the purchasers the perspective of the advertisers is there a is there some um 
that what what's the dis, or is there is there a disruptive nature to what's coming in terms of um, native ads versus search ads that's going to cause the same things to happen, or is it just? Is that a, is, do you understand yeah, no, the question? I, I understand. And, and, and now I'm regretting how we opened the podcast because this wasn't an article about disruption. Um, okay. and, and I'm not arguing that Google is going to be disrupted. Um, I was more making the observation that if we look, if I'm right and we look back in five to 10 years time and Google isn't nearly the dominant player that they are today, it won't be mm. because they were disrupted. It will, be, it will be because they continue to dominate their category. Their category just happens to be dwarfed by a far bigger opportunity. Yeah, okay, that's, that's really helpful. So the second question I have for you is, are you sure you've got the categories right in terms of search ads and native ads? Because, and I, I know you started to talk to that in terms of like native ads not being, um, not being content that's being paid for. And I'm not referring to that because I actually, I, I, I recognize what you're saying about the traditional importance of branding for CPG goods, but I actually wonder whether the importance of brand, well, I don't think the importance of brand is going away, but the way that brands are being built is starting to change. And like traditionally, it's been very heavily influenced by advertising. So um, particularly in a world where um, communication was kind of one way in nature, you sat and read the newspaper, you sat and the television got pushed down to you. And in that, you, you drove past a billboard or you walk past a bus stop. Like it's very like whoever has the most money has an ability to push things down onto customers and the communication was one way. But I actually wonder whether the nature of brands are starting to change in um, in in the quote unquote internet era. And it's becoming much more, um, uh, uh, it's becoming much more driven by uh, experiences. So, uh, and, and the reason for that is because people have way more alternatives. So if something doesn't work well, the fact that this brand is there, like, you know, there are so many other alternatives out there. Well, the brand is nice, but this was a bad experience. And it's really switching costs have been reduced dramatically by the internet. But the other thing is like social media and the ability to see what other people think and to hit, you know, I had a really bad experience with this thing. Don't try it. Oh, I had a really great experience with this thing. I should try it. Like seeing that word of mouth recommendation, it becomes much more a bottoms up type approach to like a brand is built much more bottoms up in the world of the internet and much less top down from like, advertisers sitting or companies sitting with a big pile of advertising cash kind of broadcasting in a one way in a, in a one way um, in a one way medium so I, I guess the question is do you think that the notion of like search, like search ads versus native ads do you think that's the right categorization do you think it instead might be um, it, that, that like there's brand advertising on one hand and there's is, is almost kind of like a more behavioral advertising. Like when you see customers uh, are looking for something like whether that might be the right categorization or whether it's something else instead. And whether you think that in this world as it's changing, brand advertising is going to be impor as important in the future as it has been in the past. <laughs> you just dropped a whole lot on me. Uh, Sorry. No, it's, it's good. Uh, 
Well, let's take the biggest one head on. I, you, I mean, you just you you, you just kind of blew my mind in, in reverse. Like, what what if the very and now I'm now I'm like concerned about my article. Like, what if the very fundamental nature of advertising changes? My my article is definitely predicated on brand advertising retaining its importance. And what you're saying is maybe brand advertising as we know it is going to fundamentally change, which would change, which would upset all these. It's not just that it's going to move online. It's that the the spend is going to change the way people put money is going to change, which would upset a lot of the kind of dollar figures. And certainly search advertising and Google would benefit greatly from it benefits greatly from word of mouth sort of stuff, right? People say something mm-hmm. is great. They don't usually include a link, right? They, right. they, they just say it's great. And it's an, Oh, wow. I got to try that. Then they search for it and then they, they buy it. Um, that's, that's fascinating. And it, it's a very, um, very plausible. And I think very optimistic outlook for Google that, that includes my contention that Google won't succeed in native advertising that well, yet leaves open the possibility for still significant growth and opportunities going forward. Um, darn you, James Allworth. Uh, that, that's good. <laughs> uh, no, that's a really good observation. I, I, so I, I do get to cheat a little bit about this in that it, it kind of relates to my day job. So like, this is kind of what we do at Medallia. And it's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm so bullish about the company and why work is so exciting because um, we've observed and, and we've got some interesting research that uh, some of which got published recently in HBR around how um, the experience is so important in driving future customer behavior. And so I, I, I have a very strong hypothesis that, that the the way in which like I mean the reason you 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 create these brands is to get customers to buy your stuff and then to keep them but I think the internet is going to change that and it's going to be much more around the quality of the experience you have rather than like this perception you build up the perception might be I think the perception's still somewhat helpful but it's going to decline in importance and the the quality of the experience you have with a product or a brand or a service and the 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 quality of that experience that you see your friends and family or even random strangers that you see on the internet like that's going to play a much bigger function in terms of how you perceive a brand than an advertiser spending money to try and create an image. So the big question here is we talked about the, the jungle thing, right? The, 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 the trees mm. and the stuff on the floor. I think what you're yeah. articulating, um, it definitely is, is very beneficial to what's on the floor. The question is how many, how many big trees will remain, right? Like will, will the experience and, and, and word of mouth marketing really start impacting things like toothpaste? Um, you know, like where, where, where will the line be? I mean, because I guess the, 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 the main pushback mm-hmm. I would have is people have limited capacity to think about and process this stuff. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that's, that's why advertising works is because we don't have time to think everything that we buy and use in our day-to-day life. We don't have time to really consider it. I mean, some people do, um, but often they don't have like you know, normal jobs and like the, the right. and, or kids or whatever I be like, um, and and so the question is like, will that distill all the way down to 
all these sort of kind of mundane purchases that are the meat and potatoes of advertising, right? Advertising, I think, you know, in advertising, we think about, oh, Google has a really cool ad or Apple has a really mm-hmm. cool ad. That's that's not what the vast majority of advertising, you know, is, is really about. Although I will add, I think it's instructive to think about how much tech companies do spend on advertising, right? These are purchases that, if anything, should be the most influenced by user research, they're, they're big purchases, um, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. Uh, yet, yet they're, they're yeah. still worth seeing and spending a lot of money on them. Well, they, they they still think they're worth seeing and spending a lot of money on them. Like, I mean, the old joke among marketers is like, um, I know half my spend is working and I, I know half isn't. I just don't know right. which half is which, right? Like, that's the that's the whole joke. Um, I, you made a really good point in a recent update. It was either an update or an article around. I, I actually, it was around Samsung. But fundamentally, that there are two strategies, right? That there's a strategy around building um, a phenomenal product with a differentiated experience that you charge a premium for, or going down to the bottom of the market and creating a commodity and competing on the lowest end on price. And I, I think. I think when you talk about these CPG goods, I think it's going to kind of split in that in in that way. I I mean, we talk about soap, right? There's there's Method Hand Soap, which did a fantastic job of creating, like in terms of hand soap, a, a really good experience, and you see that stuff everywhere now. And then there are going to be people who who purchase based on wanting that great experience, and then there are people who are just going to purchase um, based on you know I want the cheapest soap that I can possibly get. Now, I think if the branding helps in so much as it, it it's like, I, I, maybe branding isn't even the right way of framing it. Like it, it, there are things that you need to do to like be in one camp or the, the other camp. Um, I, I agree that people don't want to think about every purchase they make. They just want to do things on habit. And there are things, there are items that they purchase that are important and there are items that that they purchase that aren't. And the ones that they aren't, they're probably just going to look for price or it's going to be habit or whatever. And brand advertising might continue to play a small part in that. And similarly, when it's that great, when they're looking for something that really matters, maybe brand advertising plays a part in that. But I, I mean, I think I found out about Method because I saw it in a store or a friend told me about it. And I tried it and I really liked it. Like, and I, I feel like increasingly that's going to be the case. Increasingly, that's going to be the case in terms of like differentiating on the top end. Um, I mean, I think about Apple as well, right? Like, yeah, they spend all this money on branding and those brand adver- advertisements. But when I think about why people love it, why I love it, it's because you pick up the product and it's delightful or you walk into the stores and the stores just work the way you'd expect stores to work. It's like the the experience of the products, the experience of the environment is what's so compelling. It's less about, for me personally, and maybe there's some subliminal effect that I'm not accounting for, but it's much less about the brand or the brand advertising. Well, not the brand, but the brand advertising. Yeah, no, I, that's I agree. Um, well, I disagree about the, how the store should work. There really needs to be a specified checkout place. Um, but uh, the 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 point the point though is even Apple, which I've certainly written multiple times, like that their value is built on the experience. Still, 
themselves see value in, in this kind of like broad based advertising. Um, and, and so I, I suspect the answer is, is, is somewhere, is somewhere in, in the middle where, where yes, this ex, more experiential type marketing and whether that's through focusing on, on viral content or word of mouth, um, uh, it, it's very true and compelling that that's, that's much more effective on the internet um, where you have, where people have megaphones, right. And stuff, stuff can spread. Mm. And previously offline, you could, you could only spread to a few people. Like now I can say like, I, I love a product and like, you know, 16,000 people are going to see it like that. That's, right. that's kind of mind blowing. If you think, if you would have told someone that, you know, 25 years ago. Um, totally. One thing though, that I think is worth, worth thinking about is all these all these very compelling arguments that you made about, about, you know, what will matter on the internet and, and why traditional brand advertising will be less important. Like the, the virality and the word of mouth and the mega horn that people has, all those tools will also be available to brands. And so you, you think about um, it's in right now we have like version version 1.5, which is like something like the Facebook ad unit, which is a, an amazing ad unit. If you think about it, right. Everyone's like, everyone can't tear themselves away from their, from their, from their newsfeed um, except for people in tech. Um, and, mm-hmm. and you scroll down that on your phone and like the ad takes over your entire screen, right? It's, it's a very, it's a very, it's one of the best ad units there are display units there are because like it gets your full attention, unlike a web page where it's just shuttled off to the side or something like that. But there's a step beyond that. Like you think about something like Pinterest, um, you know, Pinterest is a company I've been bullish on for like at least three or four years now. I, I've written about the daily update. I, I don't think I have on the site to my chagrin because it's kind of getting, you know, a lot of buzz now. Um, like crap, I should have written that before. But, but basically if you think about it, like Facebook, Facebook knows a lot about you and they can provide very precise targeting and give you and give advertisers this really great kind of display unit that, and then they can iterate very quickly based on feedback. And it's really, it's really compelling. Google um, is super compelling in that you tell Google what you want, right? You search for uh, air conditioner, that comes to mind because I'm mine's turned off. I'm very hot right now. Um, <laughs> and like, you, you know exactly what you're looking for. What's, what's amazing about something like Pinterest is it's, it's what you aspire to, right? It's like, it's your dream. It's something that in like, it tends to be very expensive huh. and it tends to be things like, like a, a wedding or a new house or remodeling the kitchen like that. When you get into products that cost hundreds or thousands of dollars, like those ad units become very, very, uh, expensive for one, but also a, a tremendous canvas for brands to work with, right? Like people will go to a, a, I don't know, like a, a bouquet shop's board because they're, they're, they're searching out and they want to be inspired and they want to find something that's, that's really compelling. And in this case, engaging with brands, which sounds so sterile and terrible, is actually an incredibly compelling experience in a way that television even is not. And so this is a big part of the reason why I do think that, well, I think you're you're right in part. I still think there's going to be a lot of money to be made on the internet as part of this $500 billion because all these tools are available to, to brands as well. And we're only barely scratching the surface. Oh, I totally agree. I hadn't thought about Pinterest like that. That's super cool. That the aspirational element you pin all that stuff, but 
you you it is definitely available to brands but it looks very different from traditional brand advertising no oh, for sure, right? for sure. we're on the same page as far as that like that's part of my whole contention is that this this native advertising again i need to get a different word cuz it it has two bad of connotations in people's minds. Yeah. But this sort of advertising, it will look different than TV. And this is the mistake that was made with banner ads and why they're so bad. Banner ads are basically taking uh, like newspaper ads and putting them on, yeah. on the web. And it wasn't native to the medium. And this is what I mean by yep. native. What What's going to be compelling, what's going to win that that $500 billion is native to the medium advertising where and and so yes it will look different than tv and so what i'm where i'm coming at it from though i'm coming at it from the money side like and this it's it's not that uh tv ads are going to move in place to the web it's that the money behind tv ads is going to move to these tremendously compelling new formats which again i think we're only scratching the surface and which I think Google is not well-placed at all to take advantage of. Something like Pinterest or BuzzFeed is all about the human element, right? And, and like, it's weird because it, people were really surprised when Andreessen Horowitz invested in BuzzFeed because there's such a there's such a human component to it, right? It's not a traditional scale business in a lot of ways. But I think there's that's probably the future. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Google is all about the algorithm. They're, they're about removing yeah. the human touch. And that was great for what they do, but I think it puts them in the wrong place for what's next. Just like yeah. Microsoft's focus on compatibility and supporting infinite number of architectures and businesses' use cases left them actually disadvantaged when it came to mobile. And it was all about the user experience and like having one, one screen and one device. I gotcha. So I, I, I would, I, I think I would go back to the earlier statement that there would be a lot of value in, uh, in making sure you've got the categories right here because quote unquote native advertising in the sense that it's native to the medium is exactly what Google is doing as well. So, so what you're talking about is something other than, than quote unquote native, native to the medium. It's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because in terms of of what you're describing, I'd actually think of Pinterest as kind of, I mean, I think of Pinterest and Google in the same, that, that it's kind of similar advertising in the same way that newspapers and TV were like, it was a different take on the same thing with, with Google, what they're, what they're offering advertisers is someone's looking to find a product with Pinterest. What they're offering advertisers is look, look, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I don't know exactly how advertisers are working there or, or how they're monetizing. They're, they're but just I would starting. Ex- so I think it's yet to really be revealed right now. It's mainly like promoted pins, like a, a promoted tweet basically. See, I, I wonder whether that's the interesting thing versus being able to gain access somehow to users that have pinned a certain product and being able to say, oh, hey, we, or we, we saw you're, you like this stuff or you're looking at this stuff. Can, is there some way like engaging with people who are interested in the types of things that the brand offers? Like, I wonder whether that's the same because you talked about it in terms of aspiration. It's, it's another form of behavioral advertising in the same, it's, it's kind of further afield because people aren't necessarily at the point of purchasing it um, it's further afield from the behavioral advertising that Google does. What's interesting to me, though, is I feel like BuzzFeed. Like I, I, I don't. Wanna, uh, I don't want to. Before we get back back into BuzzFeed, I, I think yeah. the distinction is yeah. where in the funnel you are. Like Google is yeah. so powerful because they're at the bottom of the funnel. 
right? Someone right. already knows what they want to buy and Google yeah. will direct them to a place to buy it. And yes, mm. and yes, search ads are native as far as native to the medium. And so mm-hmm. I guess, and yes, I did a poor job defining this. So I think there's two lines to be drawn. The first line is direct response marketing, which is what Google is, versus uh, brand marketing, which is more about awareness. And so Facebook, for example, the, like the potential for Facebook is, and what's compelling about Facebook is is the brand marketing, right? I mean, yes, there's there there's an aspect of Facebook where you want to click on it and and go somewhere, but there's also there's also the repetition factor in the long run. Like so Facebook right now is actually making most of the money on direct response, especially app install ads, right? Mm, you see right. an ad, you click on it, you install it. And they get paid a lot of money to do that. The I think the 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 one of the bigger use cases for Facebook is increasing awareness of a product. And so we talked about this in the context of Atlas, where they, they're, what they're trying to do is they're actually trying to measure that, right? Where if you see something online and connect that all the way back to a purchase offline, um, which which is a wildly ambitious goal and goes back to your, you know, 50% is effective, 50% is ineffective. They're trying to show like what actually is or isn't. Um, and so the first distinction is is where in the funnel. I think there's more money at the top of the funnel than there is at the bottom. And yeah, and my po- and I think the point that that came up in the conversation so far is that if you like that money is increasingly going to prove more and more ineffective in terms of generating return. That's my hypothesis. As people are less affected by brand advertising, quote unquote, traditional brand advertising, and more rely on recommendations and word of mouth and their own personal experience. And when they have a bad experience, the switching costs are being lowered so much by the internet. So I I wonder whether that money that's up at the top of the funnel, and this is why I think I have the problem with BuzzFeed, because I've read articles on BuzzFeed. Yeah, I get that. I can't remember for the life of me an association with a brand once I'm there. Well, like the only brand, brand advertising does, doesn't doesn't work through explicit explicit memory, right? It, I mean, this it, is, it, it, it's, yeah. it's implicit. It's, it's 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 exposure. Like the it's just seeing that brand at a time when you're delighted, right? Like, and there's just like little neurons fire in your brain where you're, you have a pleasant sensation because the article is funny. And at the same moment, you happen to see Pepsi and it just, it just makes you feel a little better about Pepsi. And it's not like, if you explicitly notice it, it's almost like the entire point is the, the effects defeated, right? It's all supposed to be, you know, that's why it's so hard to measure and know how well it works. The main way that marketers measure it is by stopping doing it and then watching their sales go down, mm-hmm. um, which, which you know, is is horrific to people in tech, which, you know, like, how can you be so imprecise? But that's basically how it works. Yeah, it's it, and, and that's I guess that's my contention that it's going to become. And maybe it, maybe it just gets me over the line to buy something when I walk into the store and I have no idea. And oh, I saw an ad for that somewhere, and maybe I try that. But if and if it's if they're all good, they're all equally good, and I don't want to change, then maybe that's fine. But I feel like when I there are so many things now. When I get to that point, it's like I rely on um, personal experience, and if the experience is good, then I stick with it. And if it's not, then I go somewhere else. And it's so easy to switch and increasing importance of word of mouth for so many things like all from TripAdvisor to Yelp to all these different ways of and and to listening to folks like 
to, to friends and folks like you, if, if you and I didn't know each other, but I followed you on Twitter and you said, this thing is friggin' amazing. Like I would go check that out. Like that would have way more impact on me than any, um, than, than any brand BuzzFeed article. Like I, I just wonder how much of that spend, whether it's Apple's spend on brand advertising or these brands spend on articles on BuzzFeed is because of a, they, they've failed to challenge the assumptions that were driving the way they did business in the past. And something's changed, but there, there's this hangover from the way they did business in the past and they're continuing to spend in that way, even though it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think what you're saying is very compelling. Uh, I, I, Like I said, I think that a lot of these, I, I think it remains to see, To I think what advertising looks like in the future is going to be different. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Like if you had a chance to redo the categories right now, on one hand you have, and I realize I'm putting you on the spot, but like this is interesting to me. On one hand you have native, and I'm going to keep saying it, native to the medium advertising. Do you think that's the entire category and it's actually the the nature of the funnels, like the stage of the funnel and that Google's actually been very effective because it's late stage in the funnel? Like your argument that someone's going to come along and displace Google, no, like I, no, what's no, 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 that? I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I know you you feel you misspoke, but but um, this was a, a little bit of a frustration in seeing the response on Twitter was people say, like people like endorsing the article saying, oh, Google is going to be displaced or Google is going to be, I, I'm actually, my whole thesis here is that that's not going to happen. Like I think Google, mm. right, right now, Google is seen as dominant. And they're seen mm. as dominant because they they completely own search and they have mm-hmm. a very good business in display. And those are the two businesses on the internet in, in advertising. My mm-hmm. contention is that advertising right now is what, like a $100 billion market is the online advertising. My contention is that online advertising is going to grow to become a 200 or $300 billion market. And that Google's share of that or Google's absolute number of that's going to stay around the same. It's going to stay 50, 60, 70 billion or whatever, whatever the number is. And all that additional growth is going to go to other companies. And so mm-hmm. in the long run, it's not that Google shrunk it in absolute terms. It's that they shrunk in relative terms to the entire market, yeah. just as Microsoft actually up until just a couple of years ago was still growing the absolute number of PCs sold yet they were shrinking in the number of connected devices because the 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 explosion was was in smartphones was so massive and so it's like in a relative versus absolute thing on an absolute basis yeah. i don't think google's going anywhere i think they're very secure um it's just that i don't think they're well placed to capture this new form of spending and yes i get your point brand advertising is going to change but that's part of the that's part of the allure like i think there's just mm. this I don't think advertisers have really, or companies like Pinterest or Facebook have fully figured out how this is going to work and Mm. they will. Um, And by the way, YouTube is, I think Google's real ace in the hole here, right? Like it's, it's much better placed to, to capture this wave than I think the rest of Google, but that's not to criticize Google. Google is an amazing business that's not going anywhere. And that's, that's the distinction that I think is, 
is the critical distinction I was trying to draw. And that was the basis for bringing in Microsoft and bringing in IBM. It wasn't to say that Google's being quote unquote disrupted is to say that, Hey, these businesses actually were still, still remain very good businesses. It, it, the issue wasn't that they got quote unquote disrupted. The issue was that they got again, eclipsed. And I think that's what I see happening with the ad market, the online ad market. Yeah. It's at that, the tension between the absolute and not, making the claim that the absolute is going to decline versus the relative, I think is a really important one. And I think a lot of folks in tech think about the world in terms of percentage market share, you know, like, uh, like a hundred percent, 90%, whatever. And, and when you think about it in those terms, those relative terms, like, uh, the mainframe business looks like it got wiped out and the PC business looks like it's going away. Whereas in absolute terms, it's not uh, point is well made. I, let, let me come back to the question though. Like if you could, if you could, what do you think those categories are? Do you think the categories are based on um, the stage of the funnel or, or is it too soon to well, say? I, I still think like the, the classic advertising breakdown is Brad advertising and direct response advertising where mm-hmm. direct response is it, it, it is trying to trigger a purchase and Google, Google search is like the best direct response advertising ever. And like, that's why it's not going anywhere because it's just awesome, yeah. right? You hear about something, you look for it, you look for it on Google and boom, there, there's like, there's exactly what you're looking for. And oh, it just happens to someone's mm-hmm. paying for the privilege. Uh, however, in, in terms of the overall advertising market, the larger percentage goes to brand, which is about the top of the funnel. It's about making people aware of your product. It's about increasing affinity. And I I get your point that the way that's done is going to change, but I don't think it's going to go away. Like the, it still remains. Ask any startup, right? The the biggest problem with any new product is not creating the product. It's making people aware that the product exists or that they have a need that the product meets. And that need yeah. is not going to go anywhere. And the way in which you the way in which you execute that, I think it it must change, right? transferring what worked on one medium to another medium is a, is a fool's game. That's why we have the display advertising hellhole that we do on the internet in the long run. These Nate, and this is what I was talking about with native, these native sort of advertising, however, they're going to work again, maybe Buzzfeed will work. Maybe it won't. Maybe um, Facebook will just become absolutely massive. Maybe they won't. Maybe Pinterest will be huge. Maybe it won't like, but we're, we're, slowly but surely, and it's taken a long time, like the internet's been around for 20 years now, we're slowly but surely making our way to a completely new form of expression that applies to people, but also is available to to brands. And this, the other thing that's just to go back to BuzzFeed, which I hesitate to do because it just makes you so upset, um, <laughs> is this was the premise behind BuzzFeed. Like what, what Jonah Pretty said, Jonah Pretty was involved in in Huffington Post. And he's like, we created all these interesting tools and ideas for producing content, but the money side was just display ads. He's like, the whole idea, what I want to do with BuzzFeed was make the exact same tools that we use be the same tools that advertisers could use. Like if we're creating these awesome tools, why wouldn't we want to to let other people use them as well. And that Vox is the same thing. Vox, Vox Media, you know, SB Nation, uh, The Verge, Vox.com. Like if you go back, they have a really interesting advertising page and they, that's, that's their 
entire value prop. They're like, we have this amazing system. We can create all this customized content. We can do this really cool stuff. Why should we keep that to ourselves? We It's about sharing the tools and the means of expression with, with advertisers as well. And that's that's where things are going. And again, I think that's an area where, where Google is not particularly well-placed. Again, it's not to say Google is in trouble. They're not going anywhere. It's just that they're not going to, I think, capture as much of this growth that, again, is 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 not here yet. It's just starting. Um, but as as people, I think, might kind of assume. Yeah, makes sense. Makes complete sense. Um, uh-huh. This has been fun. Yeah, so, I mean, I just uh, as long as I have you here, just a couple um, – I think we we covered a, a a couple of the uh or most of the things I wish I'd been clearer about. And I, I think the 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 distinction between uh direct response and this general brand marketing is a good one. I I, I get your feedback that what's gonna work is gonna change. I but I think it's gonna change. I don't think it's gonna go away on, on the brand side. Um I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I really wanted to 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 clarify about the about the article. Um I'm not sure though. Oh, there's one more point actually. Uh, Android. Um, a lot of people are like, okay, well, Google has you know has this huge Android opportunity. Why can't they do native ads on Android? Um, I actually wrote about this in the context of Facebook last year, basically saying that the best thing that happened to Facebook in the transition to mobile was that they could not be a platform. Right when when Facebook was on the web, they all want to be a platform. They want to developers. They want to have all this sort of stuff. The problem is a platform isn't a great vehicle for advertising because the the whole point of a platform is is to be is to be something that other applications and content can can be on top of. And to integrate advertising into that is to, by definition, detract from whatever's on top of it. Right. And whereas and so when Facebook. Um, and so there's, there's a real tension there. And like, if you think about Android, like to, to introduce advertising into like the core Android user experience would just be a, a disaster it, from, from a usability perspective, from a user experience perspective, what's, whereas for Facebook as an app on Android or an app on iOS, like they don't need to serve anyone else. They're own, they don't need to worry about developers. They don't need to worry about third parties. All they need to worry about is Facebook. And so they can, they can, they're not serving two masters. So they can bring in ads yeah. in a much more compelling way that a platform provider cannot. I, I love Android from the business perspective. I think it was an absolutely brilliant move. But to me, it was much more a defensive move that preserved Google's access to a wide audience uh, to gives Google a ton of signal, like a lot of data that helps them deliver yeah. better ads, but it's not an ad serving platform per se. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with you about it being a brilliant move, but for the fact they open sourced it, but that's a whole they, no, 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 they had, they, well, they had to open source it like that. Every, no, I, I disagree. I think everything about the Android execution was brilliant. Um, really? They, I mean, if, couldn't they have just a free license? Without releasing the open source, no. I, I mean, we are about to head in a very different direction. Yeah, here. well, we should talk about Android sometime. I, I, I think that uh, you have to look at 
you have to look at the trade-offs involved, right? And Google's priority with Android was widespread adoption and cutting off Microsoft in particular at the pass. And so they made decisions that in the long run may introduce complications, but in the uh-huh. short run achieve their goals. And again, that's just a matter of trade-offs. If if the the priority for Google and just in 2006 and 2007 and, and where 2006 they bought Android and justifiably so was to stop Microsoft and and after that it changed into stopping Apple uh, and that was the right priority for Google and that necessitated making decisions that yes today make things more difficult but at the t- again I made made perfect sense so um, I don't think Google I don't think Android would have gotten nearly the widespread adoption among OEMs I don't think it would be nearly as dominant today if it didn't have that quote unquote openness at the beginning, but we can talk about that more another time. I, I, yeah. I, I, I have a slightly different take on it, but let's rather than me telling you what that is and us going back and forth and turning it into a whole nother episode, let's park that for another discussion. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm interested to explore that. Yeah. Well, we've been promising people a Google episode for a while. I mean, maybe we'll go on a little, a little run here. It will probably, we'll, we'll yeah. probably get more feedback on that, like two minutes of Android discussion than we will on the rest of the episode. Yeah, I know. What, what advertising, what were you talking about, Ben? So uh, I, I was a little, um, writing articles like this is, is tough though, right? Because Oh it, man, I hear you. It takes balls to put stuff out like that. You really put yourself out there. It was dangerous thinking and I friggin' loved reading it because it challenged the way I thought about it. And I don't know, like I didn't agree with all of it, but it like pushed my thinking on this topic so much further. I think you did a great job. Yeah, but I mean, the problem is like, not, you know, the next well, Google quarter is I'm going to get a ton of tweets saying like, oh, I thought we were Google. And one, most of them will probably like have not understood my point about absolute versus relative. Um, like uh-huh. that, basically what I'm saying is Google is going, I, I'm honestly, I'm saying that Google is going to continue to make a lot of money and be very successful. Um, but the other thing is, is it's, um, it's a lot easier when you're predicting something not being like wholly positive, like that's that's kind of specific moment in time. That's a lot harder to hit than to say that things are going to continue being as they are, because that's like you, you, the probability that at any given point in time, one of those situations is going to occur. The status quo is is by definition going to be the vast majority of time because everything is the same until it isn't. Um, yeah, and what do they say? Like it's it's often indistinguishable between. Um, being wrong and getting the timing wrong, right. you know, like that. That's another finance quote, and you you run the same risk here. But like, I I don't know. I encourage you. Who cares what people tweet, like, and quarter or not? Like, you've pushed my thinking forward, and I think you've pushed the thinking forward of everyone who read that. So as 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 much as it's difficult and challenging to put that out there, and at certain times you're going to have it thrown back in your face for like going out on a bit of a limb. I think that's why people love your stuff because in going out in a limb, you challenge these assumptions, you challenge the way people think about this stuff. And I've loved, I loved reading it and I've loved talking to you about this. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. Well, I mean, just to let the love full, full circle, I, you've, you've, you, you challenged my thinking uh, on it as well. So I think uh, this will probably be uh, a fruitful, and if you think about it, I, I referenced multiple past episodes all of which, you know, I think shape some of the thinking here. So 
Man, I love these conversations. It's such a thrill every week to get to talk to you about this stuff. I am super grateful for it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for being my. We're getting too kumbaya here. I'm getting uncomfortable. All right, all right. Screw you, Ben. Go home. Wrong again. <laughs> uh, oh, I, 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 I should bring up. We got just an amazing piece of feedback from. Uh, <laughs> From one of your oh, fellow me. country mates. What was it you need to yeah. basically dimension mates? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love Australians. They 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 actually they have consistently have the best feedback. It's 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 funny because between the two of us, I think I tend to be the one that's more blunt and direct. Um like you're losing your Australianishness. Uh it's I, I had it beaten. I've lived overseas for so long. I've had it beaten out of me, you know? Like, I, I can't go around saying this stuff. Nobody will talk to me anymore if I do. Oh, it was great. Uh, okay, um, sounds good. I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one.